This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Hello listeners, Glenn Butler here, and I'd like to welcome you to a new concept we're trying here on the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, the Spectacular Advice Hour, where we answer your advice questions. If you're in a situation you just can't crack, if you're at a crossroads in your life, or if you just have a problem to solve, big or small, we want to help. Or at least cringe along with you and offer a kind word. Now, there are two ways to reach us with your questions. The best one is by email. The address for that is spectacularadvice at gmail.com. The other one is our Ask FM page at ask.fm slash spectacularadvice. We won't read your name unless you tell us it's all right or give us a nom de plume. And Ask FM questions can be totally anonymous if you have an account. I am here today with my brother Scott. Scott, what's the best advice anyone's ever given you? Oh, wow, damn, you stumped me again with your tricksy questions. You always do this to me. That's very good advice. I am also glad to have my good and dear <laughs> friend... <laughs> I am happy to have my good and dear friend Steve Willie on to handle a lot of the actual good advice while the two of us goof around. Steve, what's the best advice anyone's ever given you? I thought about this today. I have two that I thought of and they come from one from a, a reasonable place and one from an unexpected place. My, my dad once told me uh, as I was dealing through a particularly tough time in life that some days are peanuts and some days are shells. And I thought, boy, that's pretty simplistic advice. And it's not necessarily applicable. But then you think about it as within a day, sometimes of the day are peanuts, sometimes of the day are shells. That's one that's always kind of stuck with me. A very odd and folksy one. The other one I actually just used today with my kid. And this is kind of a, an odd place to receive advice that sticks. First of all, shout out to our good friend Andrew Reich, my uh, blockbuster video brother in arms. Because I got this advice from a store manager at a blockbuster video approximately the year of our Lord 2004. When I was about to close on a weekend for the first time. And he basically said, Steve... No matter what you do at this job, it can be reversed. And it was kind of a nice thing to hear, like, hey, I can blatantly screw up. I could do anything possible wrong, and it will be okay. It can be fixed. It's very nice advice to think about during the day that, like, pretty much no matter what I do, I mean, maybe with the exception of some parenting errors, it can be fixed. Thank you, Blockbuster Video and Wayne Hunziega, whatever your name is. You can't dig a hole so deep you can't climb out, right? Yeah. If you get held up for the $200 that you have access for in the in the cash registers, it's $200. You can earn it back. I think the best advice that I've ever gotten, and I don't even remember exactly where I got it, but it's something that I try to absorb. It's something I try to remember, and it's something I have a hard time with sometimes, and that is that... Everyone has a rich inner life. Hmm. You have to have a good grasp of philosophy of mind, 
everybody is a full human being. It's very easy to reduce people, and it's very easy to stereotype people, and it's very hard, sometimes for me at least, to really internalize the idea that everybody thinks they do things for reasons, and everybody thinks their reasons are good, because everybody has a rich inner life. Yeah. I printed that out in big bold letters and taped it up above my desk at work, because that's where I often need to remind myself of this. <laughs> and it's mistaking... And forgetting that, that causes a lot of strife in people's lives. And to be frank, our country's existence right now. Forgetting that people may have different views and they have reasons to believe that. And that is because of their rich inner life. We don't know their circumstances. Exactly. Scott, did you think of one while we, while we were talking about this? Or, or are you still flummoxed? There was that time Dad said, go on, fall, you son of a bitch. Okay, that was advice that he gave to, like, forks that fell off the counter. I don't... I'm not sure that that's great advice. Well, I think it's important to remember that, you know, sometimes bad things are going to happen, and you just have to roll with it. Dad never just rolled with a bad thing in his life. Sometimes the best providers of advice are the ones who follow it the least. Well, that's true. I did try to learn to control my temper because I saw my dad punch a hole in a wall once, and I'm like... Wow, okay, I get that I do that when I'm 15, but he's, like, in his 50s. True, not, uh, not always fun. But, of course, if you want to hear me talk a little bit more about my parents, listen to my Lucha Undead shoot interview. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, we have one question for this edition of the Spectacular Advice Hour, because this is kind of a teaser episode, but I think we can start this series off with an interesting discussion, so let's get to it. Our first question comes from an email that we received at the spectacularadvice at gmail.com address, and it says, In this PC world, no way. do you think I should change to suit as I say it how it is? It's gotten me into a lot of trouble, but I'm 39 now, and I don't want to change. Do you think I should? Scott, what do you think? Can I just say, the first time I read this email, I read, in this PC world, do you think I should change to suit? And I thought it was from a Macintosh user. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I, I can give this person some good advice. And then I read the rest of the email, and turns out my, my good advice wasn't as applicable. I'm struggling to incorporate your advice on not to stereotype this person based on the majority of people who say things like this PC world. All right. This is something that I'm bad at, as I mentioned in our in our opening segment. I think sending the email to us and asking the question is a good thing, and I think we should take this seriously. Oh, yeah, obviously, obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm just... But we can have a little fun with it. Sure, yeah. There's one of two ways this can go. Because there is a phenomenon in some areas of the internet of something that I sort of like to call social justice Dunning-Kruger effect, where people think they know a little bit about how to use language without causing offense, but think that they know a lot more, and wind up, in many cases, like, talking over the people that they are, in fact, supposedly trying not to offend. And so that's one thing, where people try to, like, police others' speech, but they're coming at it from a place of not much knowledge themselves. 
And so that could be what this person is referring to. Like, you know, some 12-year-old on Tumblr told him not to use a particular term when that is a completely innocuous term, except to 12-year-olds on Tumblr. On the other hand, if, you know, this PC world he's talking about is like, you know, don't tell jokes where the punchline is black people are stupid. You know, don't tell jokes where the punchline is women deserve to be raped. I don't think that's too much to ask, frankly. I think that's a change you can make. Taking this, you know, seriously and, and earnestly, I think the answer to do you think I should change is basically yes. I, I think it's something you should be open to. I don't think there's anything wrong with treating people with respect. You know, this is a huge topic going on right now with, you know, sexual assault and uh, listening to people who have been harassed. Uh, it was actually listening to sports radio of all things during the day and a, a particularly socially conscious uh, sports radio show out of Chicago. And they were talking about the NFL coaches response to the Carolina Panthers owner basically being forced to sell the Panthers within like basically two or three days when it came out of all the harassment that he had done to women in the organization, like things from like going on a car trip and like reaching over to buckle the woman's seatbelt for her so he could grope her bosom with his arm as he did so, you know, like really weird stuff. And the, the coaches were like, well, anytime we dealt with him, he was treated us really nicely. And you're like, yeah, you're not like a 25 year old woman. <laughs> so <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like I think in terms of changing, we should always change. You know, the times always will change. Things will, you know, we will adapt. That's part of who we are as humans. We're evolving. And you can make even small changes to reflect more of the world that's going around you. And you can listen to others is a good place to start because you don't know where they're coming from. And, and just as importantly, you know, like we're doing right now, you know, we're listening to you who has written this in because it can be a scary thing to be like, man. I hope I'm not saying anything because, you know, PC world or not PC world, people aren't trying going out there and trying to offend other people. Like, it's not something people are setting out to do. Uh, usually when people are saying, like, I don't want to change, I tell it like it is. That means one of two things. Either they're just like, I'm going to say whatever I want and I have a serious anger problem. Or more likely, if I see stuff, I'm going to say it. And sometimes that offends people. You can be a little more careful of that part of it. And just kind of read the room, know who you're with. You might be able to make a joke with a friend that you can't elsewhere. But you should also be mindful that, you know, that joke might not be appropriate anymore because times are changing. I think a lot of the time when people say they tell it like it is, I think there's some confusion over what the meaning of is is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let's talk about perspectives for a second and how... Everyone has them, and how different experiences inform different perspectives on things. Because I kind of used to be uh, in this person's position a little bit. I mean, Sky, you've harassed me endlessly about my past ideologies. And I think one of the things that started really turning me around was exposing myself to a lot of perspectives of people who didn't have the same experiences that I did. People in different demographics, of different backgrounds, uh, who had different experiences as a result of that. And I think kind of choosing your inputs has a big effect on that. 
I think it's really interesting that he phrases the question, I don't want to change, do you think I should change? Life is a process of change. I mean, I'll bet you anything you want to name that this person isn't the same person at 39 that they were at 29, and they weren't the same person at 29 mm-hmm. that they were at 19. Absolutely. If, if they wind up being the same person at 49 that they are now at 39, that would be horrible. It's the fear of change. It's the being scared of change. It's can I do it? It's like when you, you look at you know people who are much older, they can change. It's a lot harder to do it because they're so set in their ways because really of habit or not taking in new experiences. As to your point, Glenn, the more experiences you take in, the more people you know, your viewpoints will change. I had kind of the same background where I was a little bit sheltered in a suburban life, but also coming from a mixed religion family and then going to a Jesuit school for college, which almost killed my grandma till she realized I didn't have to become a Jesuit. And where I went to school in in inner city of Milwaukee, you start having your, you know, your world changed a little bit. You can go a few miles one way and it is, you know, one of the most impoverished areas in the Midwest. You go a couple of miles in another direction and you're literally in a community of lawyers and doctors. And to see those kind of discrepancies and to meet more and more people of different walks of life changes you. It changes your viewpoint. You know, more current event type stuff uh, with the Senate race that happened in Alabama recently. Uh, the day before the election, there is a 73-year-old man out campaigning for the Democratic candidate for the reason that his daughter committed suicide uh, after identifying as gay. And it opened up his eyes like, oh, my God, what did I do? And, and it might have not have been suicide. And I apologize I'm getting it wrong. But basically, his daughter was... It was gay and and she had passed away at some point and realized like, man, my whole viewpoint of the world is wrong. I had this in, you know, in front of me all along and, and this should change me and I can't possibly live my life the way I was because now I know how other people live. I understand others' experiences. And I think it's also important for those people who are, you know, kind of as you've referred to, Scott, and more the the social warrior types to also understand where other people are coming from. You know, there are people who are wearing that uh, word deplorable proudly. And it's one of the things I think cost Hillary Clinton the election was because she didn't take the time to get to know the people who are upset. She didn't step into the common person's world and kind of understand where they're coming from. I really struggle with my everybody has a rich inner life advice at moments like this. Because when a lot of people are talking about the election and they talk about common people or working class people, there's a very particular sort of working class person that they mean. And I think that's a little reductive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were thinking of, and we're even getting off course a little bit, but of the uh, lower class uh, white dude. Basically, that that's that's generally what people seem to mean when they when they talk about common people, and in a society that is not entirely white and increasingly not entirely white, I I, I think that's kind of a restrictive lens to view things through. Well, yeah, and that's the the thought process behind understanding where everyone is coming from and trying to step out of the like you know the PC world of like hey. I can understand where me, Joe Sixpack, is coming from because here's my experience. But I can also understand 
what's happening a little bit at some level with someone who's an immigrant uh, from you know a Latin American country or someone who is gay or God forbid a woman uh, you know of, you know of all those t- different types of people and you don't have to look at it as PC you look at it as being a decent human being where is this you know just like you would treat your family members for the most part trying to get where that person is coming from oh I can understand that. I went through X in my life that sounds sort of similar. It's not the exact same thing, but I can kind of get what that's coming from. And all of a sudden now I'm not making those, you know, ridiculous comments or like, yeah, if I said that or someone said that about me, I'd feel like garbage. Now, of course, there's also people who are garbage people and will will not change no matter what, because by God, I'm an angry person. I just sort of get cringy whenever someone makes a comment about Clinton in the most recent election or just Democrats in general. Whenever you say something like, well, they they didn't understand the issues that working class people care about. Well, if you look at the results, they apparently understood the issues facing working class black people. And they apparently understood the issues facing working class women. And they apparently understood the issues facing working class Hispanic people. And they apparently understood the issues facing working class gay people. It's only one particular kind of working class person who you can make the argument that they weren't appealing to. Although also the working class white women as well, which uh, which Trump run as well. Yes, exactly. Well, yeah, there, there, <laughs> so there's let's, a, let's just call it white people. Well, yeah, basically. I mean, in those results, there's a, a strong tendency for whiteness to overcome any other demographic. God bless America. How did we get so political? <laughs> uh, we stopped talking about Star Wars. Usually we're just talking about like <laughs> movies on this show. Yeah, yesterday we were just talking about genocidal fascism, and now here we are talking politics. Yeah, I know. It's weird. I think people can be extremely reluctant, and I don't know if that's the case for this email, or all I have to go off of is this like three-sentence email, so I don't want to make assumptions, but... It can make people very reluctant to change their perspective on things because then they have to admit that they had been discounting a lot of people's perspective before. Or at the at the minimum admit they're wrong, which is very difficult to do. It's hard to change your worldview to incorporate the viewpoint of, say, African American people because then you have to admit that you've led, you've lived your entire life to this point discounting the viewpoints of African American people and that that was a mistake. It's hard to change your worldview to incorporate the experiences of women because then you have to admit that you've lived your entire life discounting the experiences of women. Right. And especially, like, like I said, the older you get too. Uh, 39 is older, but it's still young. And you still have a long way to go. You'll have to undo maybe some habits. And that's why each group of children that come up have a little bit more empathy for others because they are meeting a lot more different people. And and really, a lot of the things that we stereotype are just social constructs. You know, a lot of kids don't even see them or notice them. Um, they might notice, oh, your skin is a little bit different than, than mine is. Uh, you like to play baseball? Let's go play. Until they're taught. <laughs> Yes. Until fifth grade, it seems. <laughs> I'm, I'm not talking from any experience. No, not even today. But but you even see that with, uh, you know, high school and college students, though, where that it's a far different world for them than, say, when we were of that age. I wonder. I, I really I really wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, well, that's one of the things I, I like with work with like teens and, and young adults as much as possible in my life is that that generation, like seeing the younger generation always gives me hope where you, uh, you see them splitting off maybe from some of their parents' viewpoints and taking a little bit of what they've learned from there, but also incorporating what they see in their everyday life. Yeah, there is a bit of a stereotype about someone going off to college and finding spectacular new ideologies to fervently believe in. But, I mean, it, it, it is a very real dynamic where suddenly kids might be in a different place with different people and, and different sorts of ideas being talked about. And so, naturally, you know, that's going to change the way you think and it's going to change the sort of things you might think are worth thinking about. And it's one of the positives and then the ultimate negative of, you know, the Internet is that we have options to seek out many different types of people in many different communities around the world, or we can retreat into our echo chamber. That, I think, can run both ways. Because I think sometimes for someone in a marginalized group, what other people might think of as an echo chamber can sometimes be a way of pursuing self-care or caring mm -hmm. for each other, uh, fostering safer environments. And know? that's a really, and that's a really, really good point. Cause I wasn't even thinking of it in that regard. I was, I was thinking of it in, this is the way I work by God. This is the way my mother and father had it and they turned out okay. And so I'm going to, you know, stick around with my people, you know, not as in, more of a in a majority construct as opposed to a, a minority or marginalized group construct. I think of it primarily in terms of people in the uh, LGBTQIAP community sure. because that's a community that I'm in. And, and I think about a lot of my experiences looking for websites and, and, and communities to really find out more about a community that I knew absolutely nothing about from... I mean, from my family, and absolutely <laughs> nothing uh, growing up from media inputs. Uh, <laughs> there, there wasn't a whole lot you could absorb, you know, watching TV in the nineties. And yeah. and there was like a character on my so-called life. I, th I, I uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and so, what someone else might call an echo chamber is really a way for people to find out about their communities and to grow into them. Yeah, I see what you're saying for sure. Stupid words. I got to choose them better. <laughs> well, in this PC world. I, I know, I know. So I hate when people use that word because it just, it just sort of polarizes the whole discussion. You know, it's nobody cares about politically correct. It's just about, you know, showing respect for people. It's about respect right. and it's about empathy. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. And to be in politically correct about politically correct, I think where it, it gets me is that people have been using that term since at least the 80s. The world is now more politically correct than ever. And like, I feel like it was a little after Reagan uh, that, that that was started to use a little bit more. And at some point, like that's that's a whole generation. So it's really not in today's politically correct world. No, this has been that, that term has been used for at least 30 years. It's not like all of a sudden the world has changed. And like uh, two days ago, we couldn't do this. 
and now it, like it's this this kind of term i think is just pe- something that people hold on to like if the, the emailer is 39 years old this term has been around his entire life so it's not like all of a sudden something has changed and he can't and can't be the same person anymore <laughs> and really what is so politically correct sometimes people are unpopular when they use ethnic slurs Sometimes people are unpopular when they harass and rape women. <laughs> and uh, yeah, what is politically correct? Because that doesn't even seem to fall, not, not even seem, that doesn't even fall under the uh, the umbrella of politically or impolitically correct. It's right or wrong. See, that's the thing. There are, there are some people that probably grew up in like a fairly conservative area of the country with fairly conservative parents and fairly conservative neighbors and, you know, 99% of the population is white. And these people, when they're exposed either via the internet or just via cultural osmosis, they can feel like, wow, this this whole cultural milieu is very different from the one that I was raised to be a part of. And I'm not really quite sure where I stand or how I should behave. And this is very confusing and scary to me and i don't know any better word to describe it other than to call it pc yeah and not making assumptions about our emailer but talking about a wider issue on the other hand there are people that use that term politically correct to mean you know what's a i can't slap my secretary on the butt anymore what the fuck's this political correctness and and so you know it becomes very thorny yeah i'd be interested in in hearing more about the emailers you know specific dilemma like is it telling uh, an off-color joke? And how off-color? Like, is there a spectrum of political correctness? I, I, I don't know. Well, there are so many spectra of people and so many spectra mm-hmm. of, of viewpoints that, I mean, people can take it to mean a lot of different things. I think, again, it's about empathy. It's about perspectives. It's about being willing to listen. If mm-hmm. you If you make a joke that someone feels insulted by there's an instinct on the part of, of, of the person who, who told the joke to be defensive. And we need to try sometimes to listen to someone we might have hurt. Because you don't want to hurt people. Right. And, and then not say, I'm sorry, I offended you. No, 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 no. Real apologies, please. Mm-hmm. Where I try to change all the time is trying to get better at pointing out, say, if a friend or if a colleague... Or e- even if just someone around me is saying that to stand up and say, no, that is not okay. It, it doesn't even have to be where someone is being marginalized is around us, but just point out in regular conversation, come on, man, that's not cool to say. And uh, that, that's a tough thing for people to do, to, to call out a friend or, or to call out like a work colleague to, to basically shut them down and say, no, this is not a right thing to do. But in terms of being a friend, it's the right thing to do. And it's our way of making the world a little bit better place and maybe having them think a little bit more the next time they do something. Yeah, that's something that is very hard to do. And I will admit, I don't do nearly enough. Yeah, uh, and I think, and just knowing you too, like, and I'm I, speaking for myself as, as well here, it's that avoidance of conflict. Yes, absolutely. So PC, don't like the term. Need like need need a little more specifics, but overall, it's not like you're going to change no matter what. You are always changing. No one is firm in their ways, so it's more of a matter of just 
listening to the other people around you. If you make a mistake, it's okay. Apologize and mean your apologize and learn from your apology and, and try to put yourself in new spaces. And this is going to seem silly, but like as small as just, you know, if you're a religious person, going to a, a, a church in a, in a different neighborhood, you know, maybe in a, in a Hispanic area or an African-American area, volunteer somewhere or go on the Internet and, and just listen to other people's stories. It's, I mean, there's literally an infinite amount of people out there and you won't have to make that many changes in your life. Part of what I do in my practice is like, hey, just pick one or two things, make small changes. And those are easy to do. As opposed to, oh my God, I have to change my whole worldview. Hey, maybe you will, but it takes time. But you can start with small steps. I would say as one small step, if you're active on social media, try following, try reading more people from different demographics, different backgrounds, mm -hmm. different ethnic backgrounds or sexualities or genders or anything socioeconomic levels, just just people who have different experiences than you do to just see on a daily basis, if you're if you're reading things on, on social media, just what the world looks like to other people. Uh, and that can be completely passive. Follow a few people on Twitter and, you know, you get that in your feed regularly. And that's not something that you're expending a lot of effort to go and seek out every day. But over time, you just see a lot of different things that you might not have before. And you don't have to, like I said, you don't have to even do a hundred different places. Like maybe pick one area that you want to learn more about. Pick one thing and then look up a couple, you know, social media sites about that and then click on the articles that they post and or, you know, the blog posts that they might post. And it's, it's just small things like that that will start changing your worldview. Yeah, and these, these, things, these things happen slowly, but I would recommend to be open-minded. Mm-hmm. And if you are a Mac user in this PC world, I would definitely advise you to change. PCs are going to be cheaper for your hardware. It's going to be more easily customizable, more easily upgradable. There's a wide variety of software available. It is true. I still have PTSD from Macintoshes in the 90s. They are heavy, heavy things. Colorful, though. Yes. <laughs> All right. I think that will do it for our inaugural Spectacular Advice Hour. I think this has been a good discussion, and I can't wait to get more questions and come back and discuss them with you guys. Yeah, it was a little bit headier than I was than I was expecting. I was thinking, like, how do I make the best grilled cheese? Or oh, someone ask us that. I got ideas. Yeah, I, we can have special guests on. I, I mean, I have children. Am I gonna have to all sorts fight of you about grilled cheese? You might have to fight hey. me about grilled cheese. Why? Okay, let's save this for our grilled cheese episode. Yes. We can't have any conversations on our own anymore because they all have to be saved for the podcast, but we'll see on the Grilled Cheese episode. <laughs> Thank you very much, Scott. Thank you very much, Steve, for being here. Thank you very much to our uh, emailer. It's for... a great question. Yes. Uh, thank you for sending this question in. And... Uh, thank you, listeners, for being with us. If you would like to send any questions for us to answer on the podcast, that address, again, is spectacularadvice at gmail.com. Also, you could go to ask.fm slash spectacularadvice if you have an Ask.fm account. Steve, if people would like to find you on the internet and maybe get your perspectives, where can they find you? What I try to give out right now is my Instagram. I got rid of Twitter because I found that it was uh, uh, affecting my life and my emotional uh, 
uh, just stability. So yeah. I, I'm on Instagram where I like to look at pictures of cats, people's family, uh, wrestling, those kind of fun things. And so that is Steve Willie, W-I-L-L-E, P-T-B-N for Place to Be Nation. And yeah, you can even drop me a DM. That's fine. I'll, if you want to follow me, I'll follow you right back. That's probably the best place. If you do have Twitter, you really want to get out to me bad, you can uh, just tweet at the Place to Be Nation account and uh, Justin or Greeny will, will get it to me. Awesome. And if you would like to find me on the internet, I am still on Twitter because I rigorously choose my inputs so it doesn't uh, <laughs> ruin my life. Uh, I am on Twitter and Tumblr and Instagram if you want to see pictures of my cat at Glennybun. Uh, I think since I got Instagram, I kept forgetting to plug it on the podcast. So find me there. Look at pictures of my cat and uh, little Star Trek toys that I get delivered every month. Ooh. Are you on a subscription service? I am on a subscription service for models of Star Trek starships. Yes, I am. Excellent. That is the life I lead. I think subscription boxes are amazing. Scott, you're on a subscription service for Star Trek starships too. Or you're on the same one. If yeah. anyone would like to find you, they, they could include a note in, in the box. <laughs> <laughs> they can get a job at the, uh, at the warehouse. <laughs> if you would if you would like to reach Scott, send a question to spectacularadvice at gmail.com. <laughs> Alright, thank you guys, thank you listeners. We will see you next time. Oh, I didn't look at the signature on the email. It was sent from his iPhone. No. Well, hopefully he doesn't hate our response. Well, then maybe he is a Macintosh user. <laughs>